A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Jetpacks, are overrated. Welcome to Jetpacks, are overrated. I'm Seamus Byrne. I first got a taste of virtual reality back in 1992, when the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney had the Dactyl Nightmare VR game on show. I queued for about an hour. I played this blocky 3D game with terrible physics for about five minutes. I remember that my friend beat me and it was over. We've all wanted good VR for a really long time and we've all wanted easy VR for a long time. Having both is really hard, but each new product does help us get closer and closer to that dream. HTC has been at the forefront of VR hardware since it launched the HTC Vive system back in 2016 in partnership with Valve. I've had my own setup since that year in my own home, and I love it. I know we're not quite there with ease of setup, but the experience is great, and I love sharing it with friends and family any chance I get. Last week, I got to catch up with Thomas Dexmayer, who is the country manager for HTC, for Australia and New Zealand. And we talked about the state of the hardware right now, where it's heading next, as well as how they see software, hardware, and network platforms working together to get us to that future where VR becomes an everyday activity for more than just the enthusiasts like me. I think just starting with sort of a really basic idea here, can you yeah, throw us into the idea of what the evolution has been for HTC's VR platform? Yeah, so look, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's been a really interesting ride for HTC, you know, moving away from um, our mobility products uh, to then bring everything back together um, with 5G and, and VR. And I'm sure we'll get to that uh, later during the conversation. But basically, when we launched uh, VR in 2016, that was very much a, a consumer heavy focus on gamer type offer. Um, and since then, over the last four years, there's been a, a broad range of products uh, launched by HTC, you know, from your PC VR to standalone VR, uh, commercial application and services driving demand for commercial grade hardware as well. So we've got a, a range of uh, devices for 
your typical customer, uh, sorry, consumer, as in you know, into into gaming and um, other type of applications that are consumer related, mm. um, and commercial applications um, as well. So the Vive Pro series, Vive Pro I, that include eye tracking technology, which gives you uh, amazing insights as to what happens when you when you throw someone in a virtual world um, for training purposes, for example. Yeah, look, actually, I mean, some of that stuff is, yeah, is fascinating stuff. And look, then, I mean, the next question I really had was that idea that it is much more than games, of course, now that, you know, that I think, um, you know, that that's still the first thing people think of. It's certainly the main way that we kind of see it shown to us um, in a general sense. Um, but a lot of that sort of creative and exploratory and then, you know, and the training type stuff is something I forget a lot about quite often. But, you know, mm. I guess, yeah, if you talk about some of those other sort of angles of the pillars, I guess, of what's going on with VR. Yeah, so it's it was always going to be an interesting challenge for us to go from um, our B2C market, which has been, you know, traditionally what HTC has been doing with our smartphones product and shift towards the slightly more B2B as in enterprise focused uh, market. So um, it is not, VR is not just for gamers. Let's put it this way, even though uh, I'm sure you're well aware of the fact that the most anticipated VR game has actually launched a couple of months ago Mm. um, in that Half-Life Alyx, um, which which has actually done um, a lot of uh, heavy lifting for VR hardware sales. for us and for everyone else in the in the industry, so content for gamers, you know, triple uh, A content is is out there, and obviously uh, we're hoping that more and more gamers come on board with VR. But now we see the rise in demand for commercial applications, and and training is only one of them. But you realize that every single industry in 2020 has a need, whether they know it or not, uh, for VR. Um, real estate for your virtual walkthrough of a display suite, for example, um, if you're if you're buying an apartment off the plan, or if you can't really attend a physical inspection of the of the home because you know the listings um, are, are are closed because of COVID nineteen situation, for example. Um, talking about healthcare, how do you how do you bring people up to speed with the latest technology and um, and make sure that not only they keep on learning new stuff in VR, but they keep up to speed with their uh, existing skills. Uh, they always need to be refreshed, you know, over time. Yeah. Um, you've got areas uh, in construction that we mentioned, automotive, product design, um, education. Education is massive with VR or the potential for VR in education is huge. Uh, you've got kids, I've got kids, and both you and I understand what's at stake for these these kids that will learn through VR in some way, shape, or form in the near future, um, some of which we've actually already run a few trials, which I can talk about um, a little bit later. But overall, VR opportunities are limitless, endless, but don't just think about it as a, as a game engine. It is, or a game vehicle. It is, it is much broader than that. Mm. And look, I even... Um, you know, in our household. So, you know, I, I've had a Vive set up for quite a long time in my house. And it's funny that actually yep. one of the biggest things that I see is when it comes to playing sort of different kinds of games in VR, it almost somehow um, foregrounds the fact that, you know, that you're in VR. Like you sort of, 
I, I feel like people feel like they need to take a break sort of more quickly in, in the thick of a game. Whereas then something like Tilt Brush, you know, one of sort of the, the classic artistic sort of applications that's inside it, yep. that seems to be one where someone just forgets that they're in there and they really do just kind of, you know, they're just exploring and playing and creating and suddenly then they're like, oh, I've, I've been doing this for an hour. <laughs> And, and and we see we see more and more of this behavior, right? And typically, it's the combination of advanced hardware which we produce now. So when you've got a product like the Vive Cosmos, for example, that is our first major refresh to the product that you bought for yourself four years ago. Mm. Um, there's been massive improvements in the overall comfort and ergonomics of the of the headset. So the way you know you tend to forget that there's um, a set of goggles in front of your eyes, right? Because the it's it's much lighter than it was before. There is still margin, you know, and room for improvement. But where we are now is a situation where there's less and less physical elements of the VR kit that you know hold you back to this reality, yeah. and will make you forget that you are not in this virtual space. Um, and therefore, you know. Uh, people tend to spend more time in VR, which is a good thing for us. It's a good thing for the industry. And again, here, big credit to the content developers as well. They have done an amazing work at developing a series of content that are so close to real life. Um, Again, whether it's a cinematic experience, whether it's a game, or whether it's a uh, training. Mm. And look, that's a good point, isn't it, actually? That marriage of the technology and the experience is probably so much more important in, in VR of getting those, like that each needs the other to kind of keep pushing forward because exactly as you say, I think with sort of the earlier sort of, you know, hardware and particularly like way back in the super early days of VR that it was, it people would always make the experience, you know, a five minute experience or a 10 minute experience. Yep. Um, whereas now, yeah, the more, you know, the better the, the resolution, all the kinds of different aspects of trying to make the tech disappear a little bit means that then the creators can start to kind of push a bit more down that road of, okay, if I know the person can reliably stay in VR for, you know, for 60, 90 minutes or, you know, beyond, yeah. then they can think about different kinds of experiences to create as well. Yeah, and I'll give you just a few a few really simple yeah. examples. Um, the first one is we tend to do a lot of, you know, trade shows and conventions where we actually get general public to come and try VR. And back in the days... I mean, I speak like it was ages ago, but four years in our <laughs> yeah. industry seems like a long time. Um, after five minutes, typically people would go, okay, well, that was great. Thank you very much. And they'd walk away. Um, now, after 10, 15 minutes, and we have to keep this demo short because there's massive queues of people that come to try our gear and, and, and the various content that we've got to showcase. After 10, 15, you have to give them a tap on the shoulder and say, sorry, mate, but someone else is waiting. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's someone else's turn. So again, showing that when you've got the right balance of great quality content, best in class, versatile hardware, um, it does a lot of service to, to the tech, to the industry. Accessories like the wireless adapter allow you to cut the core that you've got between your VR headset and your gaming PC, which again takes one of the elements out of the equation that typically would hold you back at some point mm. because you feel like you are, okay, I'm walking a little bit too far from the computer. I feel this cable is, is you know, keeping yeah. me where I belong. Whereas if you don't have that and you can start roaming freely in your, in your game area, 
it takes your experience to the next level. And basically, the, the, our design philosophy in hardware and, and content is really to make sure that um, we want your brain to be tricked the second you walk in. Mm. So how do you launch a game in VR or, or, or an experience, a mindfulness experience or anything? Again, when you bought your Vive, you had to go on your computer launch the, con- the, the content on the experience. It just ran quickly to your Vive, put it, on, put it on, and then catch up with the content. Right now, you just put it on, sit down, chill out, relax. And from there, we've got a nice little lobby um, type thing called Origin. And Origin is your, is your launch pad where you can actually control your content. And it's, it's a nice transition between your real world um, and your virtual experiences. Yeah. Um, so can we talk a little bit about ViveSync? Because that seems like the newest thing that's oh, hit, hit the system. Yes. And, I mean, it feels like it's well-timed. Um, but, you know, oh, yeah, tell me a bit more about what's going on with this. So, so ViveSync is a, is a product. Uh, it, it is a, an HTC uh, VR meeting and collaboration solution that has been developed by our internal studios. And that was initially uh, produced to bring our teams Typically, you know, global organization, culturally diverse people working together on projects um, based in Taiwan, based here in Sydney, based over in the U.S. The solution that we were trying to solve for ourselves was how do we make the most of this tech to bring people together and and give them the means to collaborate together in a very efficient way. Um, So we've developed a VR meeting room and basically you pop yeah, your head in in a VR headset, so either a PC VR or a standalone VR, um, and you join a physical, what, what looks like a physical room, but it is a virtual meeting room, and you and I could have a meeting um, in a futuristic kind of uh, backdrop uh, and have a proper uh, conversation that conveys emotion in the way that a, a, a call, like what we're doing now, um, or a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting, uh, can't deliver upon, right? Because you've got that, that that feeling of presence, that feeling of proximity. I'd see your eyes moving as as you as you look at me when I talk, or you know, if they, your attention is shifting to something else because what I'm talking about is, is is not you know important to you. I could see your I'd see your lips moving. I'd see all your body language and the cues that you would give me in a in a you know physical meeting. But this is all with me in my office. And with yourself um, in your living room, um, but still collaborating and working together. I can present a PowerPoint uh, deck if I'm just trying to explain a concept to you. I can bring in a 3D design of the next VR headset from HTC for you to have a look at. Uh, back in the days, you had to get your tooling and your manufacturing uh, done to produce one set of physical mock-up uh, that would then fly from you know, one country to the other to show to our customers and to get feedback. Uh, these days, you just bring them along in a VR meeting and you bring everything you want, 3D in the middle of the room, and they can have a look at it. You can scale, you can move things, you can annotate, and it is all integrated securely with OneDrive. So you can take notes, you can uh, grab screenshots, you can do all sorts of things. Very, very similar, uh, surprisingly enough, to what you'd be able to do in a physical meeting. Mm. But now, obviously, the timing is, is spot on. We've just launched the open beta version of ViveSync, um, which I have used for quite a number of months with my, my colleagues and some of our partners as well. 
uh, feedback has been fantastic, and we can't wait to get more people on board um, in the in the enterprise space, of course, to get more feedback and to keep on refining that proposition, because we strongly believe in in a product like that. It will be a game changer. People are learning to work from home. Um, the mentalities will change. You know, working from home means that you can, uh, you know, get some of your time back and do some other stuff. How do we make sure that your meetings are efficient? You go straight to the point. Uh, and I thought that VR kind of delivered that for us. Uh, I can't wait for you to try it with me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing that jumps out is, you know, clearly there's a lot more going on under the hood with things like that. Like, I mean, I think even just with Zoom, it's like normal people have started to grasp the the question of latency a little bit more, you know, because you, you can't sing somebody happy birthday over Zoom very easily. You know, suddenly everybody's yeah. out of sync. Um, and so, you know, is there sort of a lot of extra, you know, tech in the software, in the in the service infrastructure related to to that so that it is making sure that people are as... Um, you know, uh, relating as smoothly as possible in that because, you know, it's that classic issue of you you make the tech more immersive, but then if anything is kind of sl- not quite right, we notice it even more sometimes. Yeah, that, that's right. And, that, and that's, look, early days, that's that's an issue that we had to face and, and that we found ways to fix. Um, this, there was different ways to go about it. Obviously, uh, having a few different servers across the globe is, is, is one solution. But the other one is to rely on... Um, the, the tech that we've got, yeah, and some of it is called 5G. I know it's a it's a big word for a lot of people, and and there's a few concepts beyond speed that you know the uh, the mainstream audience would not understand, and that's a really good question that you're asking because this is a way for us to showcase latency, right? So latency is pretty much the time that it takes for the network to respond to one of your of your ask or your queries, and the time it takes for all these little bits to go across the network um, to allow a couple of you know people to communicate. Um, I can't wait for you to try. It's it's really hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, the, the latency really shows in an app like VibeSync. It's so much harder to showcase latency on uh, if you're streaming Netflix, for example. Yeah, it it, it, it it's meaningless. Yeah. Um, but for something like this, this is it's real time immersive experiences latency is key more so than speed to be honest and that's Mm. what i love about 5g and how we're going to integrate these end-to-end services with the technology and the partners that work with us Um, it's a real good showcase of latency and so far i mean typically if latency is not good in the product live i've seen you'd feel it straight away right there's there's no there's nowhere to hide yeah. You'd start to feel a little bit sick, or and things wouldn't make sense, and you'd go, no, "I'm sick of it. I'm not. I'm gone. That's it." Um, the truth of the matter is that with my team, we meet in VR three times a week since COVID, and we're all working from home. And three times a week, we spend about an hour, um, and it just feels so natural. So, That's great. best thing for you is to try it out. Uh, tell me when you're free. I'll send you a vibe yeah. invite. We get Nick on board. Yep. Uh, we get whoever you want on board. We can have up to 30 people and we can have um, a really good walkthrough of, of that stuff. And it will start to spark your imagination as to what is possible with it. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And look, I mean, it reminds me as well of that feeling. You know, I mean, I think we so many people have just gone through it you know, in this last couple of months as well where 
Um, you know, the lockdown obviously has kind of pushed Zoom into the mainstream consciousness, but for so long, people were very resistant to the idea of turning on video when they had to do a yes. remote call. Um, yep. And so, you know, most of that initial reaction is like, oh, it sounds like it might be uncomfortable, um, you know, and then everybody just got used to it. Almost feel like my, like I can feel that initial reaction in my gut of going, oh, really? Like going into a VR space to have a meeting? But then I'm sure once <laughs> once you do it a few times, you're like, oh, why did we do it the other way? <laughs> That's right. And you're talking about how, isolation has actually pushed you know people to go and step outside of their comfort zone and mm. try things that they thought were not relevant to them or that it was too hard that they could the reality is that we're all going through this you know we're doing the best we can we've got you know different means to keep connected and stay connected with our workmates and relatives and friends and um but what this isolation has done as well is that for vr we've seen a massive increase in demand for VR application. And again, we're going back to the origin of our conversation beyond gaming, right? So people yeah. are looking for, all right, I've been stuck within these four walls for two, three weeks, two months, you know, depending on where you are in the globe. How do I get out of here? So, you know, get into VR and, and fly over to Paris and um, go check out Mona Lisa. You will be spending 15 or 20 minutes watching looking at mona lisa from the inside out learning a lot of really good stuff about the history behind the painting um and this is priceless because people feel like again good quality content great quality hardware you are transported into a place that you thought you would never potentially never actually go to mm. um and so so what's the name of that app again oh mona mona lisa it is beyond, just mona lisa. Uh, yeah, yeah, be, uh, behind the wall. I think, yeah, behind the wall. Great, because yeah, um, I'll make sure and link my, these in the show notes because it's like yeah, I love great. giving people those tips to help them know this is the stuff you need to watch out for. Yeah, f- f- fantastic. And look, stuff like early days. Do you remember the blue? So the blue yeah. was this whale. You're walking, you know, on the on the shipwreck at the bottom of the ocean, and you just uh, you're surrounded by water, obviously, and you see stingrays and 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 this big whale that comes, you know, down to you. So. People that just want to escape the, the the boredom of their of their daily happenings or non happenings, just get in there, spend five ten minutes. They've refreshed the content. There's some really new cool experiences where you're walking on a on a coral reef and you just you just go for a wonder and your mind just goes with the VR space and it feels good, right? It's a it's a breath of fresh air. It's good for your mind. It's good for your body. You can exercise in VR. You know, fitness applications in VR have been pretty, pretty exciting. I'll send you a link of one of our social posts that we did a couple of weeks ago about, you know, promoting how to stay fit without breaking the rules of social distancing and while staying home, get into VR, do a bit of a, you know, boxing workout. There's, there's a few little things here and there that work for everyone in the household, you know, regardless of your age, um, regardless of your fitness, regardless of your appetite for um, highly immersive and full-on experiences when all you got to do is, you know, shoot zombies and all that stuff. Yeah. This is only a small portion of what VR delivers upon now. Mm. Um, and again, the more you try, the more addicted you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Um, so can you give some examples of whether it's like institutional partners or commercial partners and things as well that are doing sort of cool stuff with, with VR these days? Yeah, look... Uh... There's there's quite a number, so it's it's, it's really hard to pick <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, a specific one. The first one that comes to mind is um, Bell uh, helicopters. There's a there's a case study that's actually available online. Online, they've made it public. Um, they've managed to reduce the the design and manufacturing phase of the their new helicopter by uh, ten times. Right, so the development of the next helicopter, we're talking you know month and potentially years here at stake. They've managed to go ten times faster thanks to VR. Yeah, so wow. Using uh, HTC. So um, again, it's it's something that is available online if you want to get more information. Um, in the education space, for example, I mean, there's um, there's a number of institutions, and without naming them in Australia, because we're going to keep that confidential for yeah. the time being. But approaching us to say, look, we understand that VR is the next big computing platform. We want to enable VR in the classroom. We're talking primary school. We're talking uh, university. We're talking high school. Everyone understands that there's a lot at stake. The ones that have tried it with us, it's always been successful. Uh, the two key takeouts for me is that kids and students, have they're more engaged with the learning uh, because VR typically activates all your senses, right? Again, if the yeah. content is done right. So by having all your senses, you know, working in, in full synchronicity together, you learn better, you have more fun, and you're more engaged. But beyond that, it's the knowledge retention that is off the chart. Um, and they, they were, there's a few white papers online as well um, that you can refer back to if you want. But they're measuring the knowledge retention like an hour after the session and a week after the session, which is typically where 80% of the of the content is, is gone, right? Um, in VR, the, the numbers are dramatically different and, and certainly much better. So this is something that we are going to continue to explore um, because we've got a mission at HTC and it's to make all this tech meaningful for the end user. Yeah. And so, I mean, one of the other big things that you're pushing onto, I'm going to ask you about killer apps and a few other bits and pieces, but you know, what are the things on your mind right now that 
that are exciting you about sort of how this all fits together at the moment? It's it's the the training aspect, right? Especially you know we live in a in a global world where you know pandemic like what we're going through at the moment can throw a massive spanner in the work, um, especially for all these um, first responders, for example, the people that need to be available when we need them. Um, I'm thinking, you know, with all the bushfires that we had over the summer, um, firefighting simulation is a, is a company based out of Melbourne um, called Flame System. They've been using VR for a number of years now, pretty much yeah, since they dot with us to train their firefighters to different type of scenarios without having to fly them, you know, to um, to the environment where they can replicate the scenario. It's all it's available in VR. You can repeat as many times as you want. You can get make, make sure that you are fit for the scenario, for the situation before we call you if you're on duty to come and address the um, the specific scenario. When um, when the I think US or Canada flew down some firefighters um, to support our guys earlier this year, um, if we were if we had been a little bit, bit, bit more advanced with VR and 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 potentially 5G and all that, there could have been a scenario where these firefighters could have been trained on you know Australian conditions, you know wind, um, eucalyptus smokes and all that stuff in their home fire station, right? So mm-hmm. they hit the ground in the airport, they can go straight to fight the fires as opposed to hitting the ground and spending, I'm not an expert, right? But they've certainly yeah. spent quite a lot of time getting used to our gear, getting used to um, the topology of our of our, of our uh, bush and, and whatnot before they were fit enough to get to the field and, and battle the flames. Mm-hmm. So you can... You can be so much more efficient when VR um, is used in the right way. Um, you save in costs, you save in, in travels, you save uh, in uh, time, and you mitigate your risk as well, especially, again, for these guys, right? Training in VR is pretty much risk-free, and you can repeat as much as many times as you want. Um, it, is, it, it is, for me, a massive potential. Then there's new sensors and new trackers that are coming to market. So I mentioned the eye tracking technology on the Vive Pro Eye um, that allows you to assess the fitness of your training um, in, a, in a training environment by uh, seeing in real time a heat map of, of where it's looking uh, in, the, in the scenario. So if, you're, if you've hidden as a trainer you've created content where you've got a few hazards that need to be detected by your trainee um you can measure exactly how long it takes for them to detect right that there's a there's a danger oh, okay yeah and yeah. and 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 all that stuff in this condition you know these people only have half a millisecond to make a decision yeah um there's so many things that word cannot express when you train and when you assess someone's fitness for, for a specific scenario um, the eye tracking is one of the of the answers to that. The the other answer, I'm not sure if you've heard of this before, but there's a um, concept around having a, a brainwave sensor that you can plug to your VR headset, and um, with the right SDK and integration of the content, we can tell you how much stress you are in this scenario. Again, taking these firefighters as an example. Um, oh wow. Um, 
but for mindfulness, it doesn't have to be always, you know, rough and, and fast and, and stressful. It could be the actual opposite. How do we make sure that uh, someone who's battling a disease and is going through uh, chemo, for example, rather than sitting there watching the needle going uh, through their arms and, and sitting there for four hours, not doing much, why don't we just get them into a VR space that would yeah. be soothing to them, you know, and that mm. would be, you know, we could turn that into not such a bad experience by using the tech that we've got. So again, it's for me, if you'd ask me what excites me is how we put all this technology at the service of the community, um, you know, re pretty much regardless of the industry, but because everyone needs to be trained, everyone needs to learn and everyone needs to, needs to relax and, and chill out. And mm -hmm. I think they are, we'll continue to deliver on that. It's funny. You, you sort of remind me that, you know, I kind of have a bit of a running joke with some friends that I'm like, by the time I get to the age of retirement, I want, I want like retirement homes to be set up to just essentially hook me into VR and just let me <laughs> relax all day and, and like go off to some virtual fantasy world. Like I'm a big World of Warcraft fan. I'm like, World of Warcraft VR, yeah. when in my retirement. Yeah. This sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so by the time you get there, um, hopefully 5G would be widespread. Um, the impact that 5G has because this is the – the mobility part of me that talks here, which is how does 5G improve the whole, you know, VR experience as it is today? Basically, 5G will allow us to shift some of the of the heavy processing power. So you know that you need a, a pretty high-end graphic card, you need a PC, all that stuff needs needs to be on your uh, around you. Yeah, when you if you want to have a, a really good high-end VR experience. Yeah. In the future, with again the low latency of 5G, we can have this graphic card somewhere on your carrier's network, um, somewhere on the call it on the cloud. So the, the the rendering of the graphics is not done by your PC in your bedroom or in your living room, but it's done on the cloud. So here's goodbye to that expensive gaming laptop or gaming PC. Um, and guess what? It will have a, a positive impact on the design of our products. Yeah, um, oh, we don't need we don't need this. We don't need that. All that stuff can be off offloaded to the cloud. And when again we rely on five G, and that's why at HTC we we truly believe in five G and VR slash mixed reality um, convergence in the future. It will have a positive. Each of the tech will have a positive impact on the other, but certainly from a VR hardware perspective. 5G will allow us to come up with more um, like sleeker products, like skinny or skinnier um, <laughs> uh, in the in the shorter <laughs> yeah. terms. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and yeah, the future and the outlook is 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 pretty bright from that perspective. Yeah, I mean it's a really good point because I think we do talk a lot about you know the gaming services and stuff that are starting to you know test out being run yes. um, as cloud services and all that, where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. as long as you can deliver uh, frames per second at a level that, you know, all the rendering is done somewhere else, it just has to deliver the frames efficiently, um, then that can be offloaded really well. But I hadn't actually thought about sort of that next step to being able to do the same thing for a VR headset and exactly as you say, then the way in which that will help to make headsets much smaller so that's yeah that is a pretty exciting prospect and 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 thank you and with smaller usually comes a smaller price tag um more portable 
And therefore, the adoption, that's where we think that the adoption will go, you know, through the roof. Mm. Um, you can look at other examples of products that kind of took a little while, you know, products that were a little bit ahead of the curve, um, setting a new trend. It's always the same same pattern, right? When it explodes, it, it, it booms. And that's really what we want to achieve. Uh, and that what we think we can achieve when 5G gets to a point where, um, it can deliver true edge computing solutions yeah. and remote rendering. And so for people out there who really are sort of on the cusp there, you know, on the fence, maybe they're thinking yeah. about like, how do they, how should they try to approach buying a VR setup for the first time? Because so, it, it seems like the setup is actually, that's still where it can get tricky, but like once it's working, the experience is amazing, but it still feels like that sort of that taking the leap um, requires, you know, a good weekend of, of making sure everything is set up just right? In some respect, yes. But we've got a product that has um, the, the tr- so technically the tracking that you are referring to is actually done historically on the original products and some of our more advanced products. The tracking is done by two external base stations and, and setting these up requires a little bit of, of skills. But as you said, after a couple of days, you're, you're used to it, and and when it works, it, it's spot on. Um, we've we thought that in in what's what's missing in our product portfolio was a a, sim- a more simple plug and play product. So that's how we came up with the HTC Vive Cosmos. That has the tracking is actually done by the headset itself, so inside and out. Mm. So the box, the, the package comes with the headset, two controllers, and pretty much a cable that you, you connect to your laptop. That's it. So you, it, the setup is so much more straightforward. Um, it's a product that has been designed for uh, first timers in VR. Um, someone who wants something that's easy to set up, that's uh, portable, uh, a lot of fun. And yeah, you don't muck around and try and make it work. It's, it's typically plug and play. Um, now, back to the original question, how do you decide which product is the right fit for you uh, i think it comes down to you know the things that you want to be able to do with your with your vr headset so if you are a hardcore gamer and you've been waiting for half-life alix to launch which is now available and you are at a point where you're kind of you know tossing the coin and thinking which one should i buy um, external tracking is key so the vive cosmos elite for example is 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 our lead product for um, someone that wants to do heavy hardcore gaming Someone who's a bit more mainstream um, wants to try different types of experiences, um, visit a virtual museum, do a bit of travel, uh, use it for the kids, you know, for educational content, because again, it's not just about games. Um, There's tons of other content that you can enjoy at home. Um, Vive Cosmos is a really good, versatile product. What we love about this device is that it is a modular kit. So you can swap out one of the main components of the of the headset to, to simplify things a bit for something else that will give you additional capabilities in the future. So we really wanted to make sure that someone who buys a VR headset from HTC today doesn't have to change the whole kit next year when the tech has you know made another massive leap forward. But by just changing the A module that will bring new features to the product. Um, hopefully you'll be able to keep your Vive Cosmos um, for an extended period of time. 
No, yeah, that's actually it's a really good point there to be able to um, upgrade it. And even then, yeah, I I mean, I sort of felt again back when I jumped in sort of reasonably early about four years ago that I always had that feeling, and I'm sure other people would have it around something like VR. It you know it can change quite quickly. They're like, oh, I'm going to buy one, and it's going to be outdated. Mm really soon that I'm like, I'm still very happy with the experience I'm having from that original headset because in the end it's like, well, I've you know, got over the jealousy of seeing other people with fancier versions and I'm just going, mine still works just fine and I'm having a great time with it so I don't need to panic. <laughs> no, and, and this is a great comment and I, I like it because the original Vive, four years down the track, is still an outstanding product. I mean, it was groundbreaking when we launched in 2016 and, you know, 2020, we still look at this product as a, as a massive success, massive hit. Obviously, there's been a lot of uh, incremental improvements, um, some of them bigger than others. But the thing that you can do, for example, in your situation, we've, we've made it flexible enough so you can keep your controllers, you can keep your external base stations, and you can only upgrade your headset. So we've just launched, well, we are actually about to launch tomorrow, 7th of May, the uh, headset-only um, version of the Cosmos Elite that I mentioned before. Yeah, great. So basically, you keep, you keep, you keep your, the existing core um, network of your VR solution in your home, mm. but you only upgrade the, the headset that delivers the content. Um, and again, that's something that we thought um, consumers, by listening to what they have to say to us through a variety of channels, including social media. Uh, that's what they've been asking for. So um, be listening carefully, and hopefully they'll be they'll be um, delighted by this by this launch. That's awesome. Um, and so so there's some killer app type stuff. We've mentioned a couple of things: the Mona Lisa, uh, the blue. I always mention Beat Saber to people since yes. that's come out. Um, yeah, my kids adore it, and it also I think demo. So like it has definitely been one for because of that external camera support that they included, you know, to be able to watch people playing it within VR, um, I'm sure it's just a great advertisement for VR as well. Um, but, yeah, what other sorts of things leap to your mind? You're, uh, but you're right. I mean, part of the VR fun is is looking others doing VR, right? Um, yeah, some people, I think, might not grasp that, that they that they sort of see it as a solitary experience. But, you know, I know, no, again, the support for kind yeah. of, you know, like Steam Link type things where, like, we throw it up on the TV um, yes. so that you can see what they're seeing and instantly, you know, everyone is kind of shouting out to the person to, like, grab that thing, do this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my boy six years old loves fruit ninja in vr right <laughs> um easy easy to play i mean very straightforward pop pop the headset on grab your controllers um got two swords and, and off you go chopping fruits away so many titles actually um, are a derivative from an existing um ios or or play store yeah. game which is where we show that VR again is is an evolution of some of the existing content and and in in offering new perspectives on the game. Um, my personal favorite of all times is a ping pong game. Oh, um, I absolutely love the realism of this game because you can actually go with the default controllers that you've got in the box, or you can actually use what we call the tracker. So tracker 
allows you to transform any objects of your home into a VR controller. So you attach the tracker on a uh, ping pong racket. Yep. And I play ping pong with a real ping pong racket with <laughs> the real weight, with the real weight. That's great. And that what makes me feel like I'm in a, 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 a smallish apartment yep. in, in, in the city type, type area. Uh, so I can't really afford the luxury of having a full-on uh, ping pong table. Uh, plus, even though I had this space, I don't have anyone to play with. Um, whereas in VR, just get in there, find someone, and, um, and either I play against the computer or um, in the future we'll have a multiplayer mode as well i say we because it's a game that has been developed by vive studios so it keeps you know close to my heart um and i just love it because it's it's so much fun and it's so realistic it's it's a mix of everything for me um my brain being tricked thinking that there is a ping pong table in front of me and i still get uh, tricked but when i feel like i need to um, drop the racket on the table <laughs> <laughs> and it suddenly falls on the floor. Uh, so it just showcases that, you know, you may as well spend as much time as you want in there. It'll always do that little trick. Um, the other thing is obviously uh, there's a little bit of fitness, right? So you yeah. know, if, you, if you play full on ping pong stuff, um, after a few minutes, you your body warms up, Yeah, <laughs> um, which, uh, which is good. So now I absolutely love this one. Uh, apart from that, there's another one that I find very uh, trippy. It's now on Viveport. So Viveport is our VR application store. Uh, so it's developed by HTC, but it supports um, a variety of platforms, right? So you, it's not exclusive to HTC Vive. Uh, if you've got another uh, brand, VR headset, without naming anyone, there is a very high probability that you can still come to Viveport and get VR content from there. The beauty of Viveport is that it's a, well, first of its kind, VR uh, monthly subscription. So in Australia, for $17.99 a month or $11.99 if you commit to 12 months, it's typically your Netflix for VR, right? So you get access to 700-ish games that you can play as much as you want, right? So um, from 2016, when you look, when you bought your Vive, and we were scrambling to give you content to 2020 when you buy your Vive, yeah. it is plug and play. There's a redemption code in the box. You go on vivepool.com, you just redeem your content, and off you go. It is much more straightforward um, than what it was back in the back in back in the days. That's a great point because you know, and it makes so much sense that. Yeah, again, right, when you buy a new computer, you've got some games that you already own. You can kind of install them. You see how they look on the new thing. People don't even know where to start sometimes with VR. So <laughs> being able to That's kind right. of get into a subscription service and just explore um, what's possible without sort of feeling like they need to buy every single game to test it and out. That's a great, yeah, a great setup. Yeah, and, and, and so one of the content that I like at the moment is called Museum of Other Realities. So Ooh. pretty much I like anything outside of, of gaming because it's, it's again, a great way to showcase the, how versatile VR has become. So, but, but what Museum of Other Realities is, is obviously a virtual museum where artists upload and it's all curated and uh, we have a level of control or the, the developer of the content has a level of control on the, on the content that goes in there. But if you were to be a, a, a brilliant teal brush artist, and you've got a great creation, you can send it to the content developer and they will decide 
I'm not too sure, you know, criteria and whatnot, but you could have your virtual exhibition in Museum of Other Reality. Um, again, because you mentioned Tilbrush before, Tilbrush is great, but up until now, it's, 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 you spend hours, you know, drawing and, and doodling and scribbling and creating in your, in your VR, but what do you then do with it? Well, someone came up and said, let's do an exhibition of VR artwork. So it's a global museum of other cool. realities, as the name suggests. Very trippy. Um, you can easily spend 20, 30 minutes in there because it's not just visual. There's, there's pieces of art that you can actually engage with. Um, sound plays a really heavy part in, in the VR experience, as you know. Um, so some of these uh, masterpieces include visuals and, and sound. Um, it, is, it is fascinating. Um, I must say. Yeah, that's brilliant. So let's just, before we wrap up, just touch on sort of, I guess, the whole AR and MR type thing. Like, is that on the HTC roadmap? You know, how do you feel like that fits into the future of the platform? So at the moment, if you, there, there is a concept out there that's called the virtuality continuum. And basically, there's not one reality. It's a, it's a very subjective concept. Um, we sit with VR, we are on the extreme opposite of reality in the sense that when you get into VR, it's 100% digital. It's 100% uh, computer-generated or it, it's not real, right? In between, you've got what you just mentioned, right? It's a mix of augmented reality, mixed reality, um, and different players in the marketplace you know, play in different areas of this, of this continuum or this spectrum of realities. Um, what we've announced a couple of months back is a mixed reality plate. So I was talking about how the Cosmos, Vive Cosmos, is a modular product. Um, we have showcased a, a faceplate. So you take off the one that comes with your Cosmos and you replace it with this mixed reality plate. Um, and what mixed reality means is that you've got a, a more evenly balanced content or blend between your reality and your and your virtual slash digital content. Um, this is something that we are investing in, obviously not for commercial uh, use at the moment. We've engaged a bunch of uh, you know, developers out there and we're kind of testing the market uh, to see what type of content mm. could, could come out of it. Um, what are the solutions that this, these new type of contents uh, would, would, would solve? Um, is there a, a, a big, demand from the from the commercial market or from from the enterprise market um we we are testing the boundaries and testing the water for sure with mixed reality um but at the moment obviously 2020 roadmap is still very much uh vr and making sure that we've got a, a, a balanced portfolio between consumer and enterprise but always delivering the best in class experiences uh, because at the end of the day you want every single vr experience that you deliver you want it to be um, something that people will will remember in a good way. Mm. Um, so we don't want to go too fast, but you know we still have to look at what's coming next. And that was a really good question. So yes, mixed reality is definitely on, on the radar. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's funny how you know I think those things sometimes they feel like you know they're the eventual destination of how all this stuff works. But that I feel like you know even with the good augmented reality things that can be done out there, they still you know they're still very specific and in some ways they almost sort of feel more constrained than just being able to jump into a VR world right now and so in the end you know the kinds of things that actually 
will get somebody to engage deeply in it is still very much the domain of, of, of VR right now. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, any, I, so I go ahead. agree more, so that's good. <laughs> um, like any final thoughts, you know, um, you know, for whether it's just big picture thoughts on what excites you or, yeah, how best to go and taste an experience if you've never had a go yet? I, I would strongly recommend it's 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 a fascinating world and we've been talking about it for what 45 50 minutes yeah. uh we could easily because i know how much you know about it we could easily sit there and, and keep talking for, yeah exactly uh, two three four hours because Happily. again i just want everyone to remember that it's the opportunities with vr are absolutely endless right so don't let your imagination make you believe that this is not doable in vr you can do pretty much anything so I'm hoping that there's a little bit of food for thought for for your listeners uh, in there, and, and and people we come up with creative ideas and think, ah, oh, is that right? So that means I could probably do this or that or whatever in in VR. The answer is probably yes, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, keep that, and and the future is 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 bright. The technology is is here. It's just a matter of making sure that we've got all these that the pieces of the puzzle come 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 along nicely together. And I can't wait to have a widespread 5G coverage here in Australia to keep on showcasing really cool VR application, um, you know, in a form factor or in a, at a price tag, probably that will be, um, that would be more uh, affordable. Um, but at the end of the day, if you want to try VR, do it now. It is, it is a fantastic experience. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.